Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. I'm J.W. Cox, filling in this week for Scott Peterson. Coming up... The Salvation Army of the North is providing support on the ground to people in Ukraine. The DNR giving people here at home a chance to increase their outdoor skills. And go for men's basketball took a central role in promoting Black History Month. But first, this. Tens of thousands of students were out of the classroom this week, and it wasn't because of COVID. Eminem's Bill Werner has the report. JW, the St. Paul School District and their teachers avoided a strike, but it was a different story across the river. When you have thousands of people saying we will go without pay so that our kids can have the schools they deserve, you know that something is wrong in the Minneapolis Public Schools. The Minneapolis Union's teacher chapter president, Greta Callahan, was asked, what's the message for parents who are left scrambling? What about the kids? Exactly. exactly. What about the kids? Exactly. We've been saying this for decades. We continue to say our students need and deserve more, and we continue to be shut out of the decision-making process. Minneapolis Superintendent Ed Graff said, while news of a strike is disappointing, quote, we know our organization's mutual priorities are based on our deep commitment to the education of Minneapolis students. Superintendent Graff said the district will remain at the mediation table nonstop in an effort to reduce the length and impact of the strike. <laughs> Minneapolis teachers took their message to the state capitol. Each and every rank and file member should be to hold the line. <laughs> Minneapolis Teachers Union have given us a perfect scenario where they say it's for the kids, but the kids are at home. State Representative Ron Creshaw, Republican from Little Falls, pushed his bill that would allow parents to use state funding during the period of any teacher walkout to pay for other educational options for their children. I want to give the choice back to the parents and the students that if the teachers choose to go on strike and shut the school down, that the parents and the students should be able to continue their education elsewhere. Minneapolis Democrat Jim Davney responded Republicans' politically driven grandstanding would only make matters worse for students, families, and staff who have chosen the Minneapolis public schools. Davney says Minnesota has the resources to fix what's broken in K-12 schools, and he says House Democrats are committed to doing it. Democrats' push for bigger COVID bonuses for frontline workers remained stalemated this week at the Capitol, as did Republicans' push to replenish the COVID-depleted unemployment insurance fund, thereby avoiding automatic tax increases on businesses. We promised small businesses, we promised employees that we would make that fund whole so it was stable and reliable for them. Said Republican Senator Eric Pratt from Prior Lake. Thursday night in the Minnesota House, Republicans tried to push ahead with $2.7 billion to do that job. Democrats responding, not unless frontline workers also get bigger COVID bonuses. If you don't think that raising taxes on businesses right now is going to hurt everyone you are just not living in reality, said North Branch Republican Ann New Brindley. Democratic Majority Leader Ryan Winkler fired back. The challenge with this bill is not that we don't want to help businesses. The challenge with this bill is that you don't want to help anybody else. House Democrats said if Republicans approve a billion dollars for COVID worker bonuses, they would agree to $1.2 billion for businesses 
Republicans said that's not enough to avoid tax increases. Meanwhile, teachers outside the Capitol reminded lawmakers, we're still here. We've got a $9 billion surplus, and we've got an unemployment bailout for the largest corporations in this state sailing through that Capitol. What do you think of that? Sticker shock at the gas pump spilled over into the political arena this week. Governor Tim Walz and Democratic counterparts in five other states, including Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, urging leaders of Congress to suspend the federal gasoline tax for the rest of this year. The governor cited financial stress caused by increased gas prices amid international crises and rising inflation, specifically pointing to what they term Russian President Vladimir Putin's horrendous attacks on Ukraine. Meanwhile, at the Minnesota legislature, House Republicans tried to bring up for an immediate vote a Democratic proposal that they labeled an election year gimmick, namely a state gas tax holiday from Memorial Day through Labor Day. If you vote red on this, you're voting against making gas cheaper and you're voting to continue the hurt and pain people are feeling. Said Farmington Representative Pat Garofalo, fellow Republican Eric Lucero from St. Michael said some of the bill's Democratic sponsors pushed for a gas tax increase three years ago. Madam Speaker, do you smell that? That is not burnt popcorn that somebody left in the microwave. You know what that smell is, Madam Speaker? Hypocrisy! Aurora Democrat Dave Lislagard fired back. That was when the state had a $1.6 billion projected deficit and roads and bridges were crumbling. Let's speak the truth and let's stop with the gimmicks. But this week in Minnesota, just about everything was overshadowed by horrifying events as Russia continued its assault on Ukraine. Man cannot see the face of God, but we have seen the face of the devil. Kyiv native Asiya Mahalenko Sturgill said her aunt tells her air raids have become so frequent that they've started to tune out the sirens. Meanwhile, my uncle remains at my grandmother's bedside as she can no longer walk on her own. They report high spirits and remain resolute that they will persevere. I worry for the precarious position due to my grandmother's limited mobility if things were to get worse and require them to flee. Her comments came during a state capitol press conference when legislative leaders gave their backing and predicted quick action on a bill that would direct officials to divest Minnesota's state pension fund from any investments in Russia. About $53 million is involved. That is before Russia invaded Ukraine. Luda Anasta Zievsky, chair of the Minnesota Ukrainian American Committee, says the bill affects her personally because it involves her pension. As a public employee, I don't want my money go to Putin to fuel his war machine. Russia must feel economic pressure if we hope to stop this war and deter future aggression. And Anastasievsky says they've talked to the governor about measures to specifically help Ukraine, including Minnesota accepting refugees. Now we need to have concrete steps in that direction. There is also a possibility of creating statewide support for procuring medicine uh, and sending it to Ukraine. Governor Tim Walz said at a state capitol rally last Sunday that Minnesota would welcome Ukrainian refugees. JW? More Minnesota Matters next. Change a light bulb, save some green. Just replace traditional light bulbs with energy-efficient bulbs and fixtures. If you're like most people, 
20% of your home electric bills go directly to lighting. Every light we switch to one bearing the government's Energy Star label uses at least two-thirds less energy than older bulbs. Such a light will save more than $30 in energy costs over its lifetime. Brighten your environmental future from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community, too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota Electric Co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of minnesota welcome back to minnesota matters the salvation army of the north is providing support on the ground to people in ukraine tasha radel has more thanks jw joining me today is dan furry spokesman of the minnesota salvation army Dan, I think all of us here at home realize the reach of the Salvation Army across the U.S., but perhaps don't realize it goes beyond our nation's borders. We have a presence in over 130 countries around the world, including Ukraine. So that's a country we're already at work in. They're busy handing out food. They're busy handing out uh, toiletries and clothing. Uh, They're providing uh, spiritual and emotional care for those that need it. Um, so they're already at, at work doing that. And and so we don't know what the outcome of this is going to be. Is it going to be short-lived or is it going to be a, a long-term situation? Dan, for someone listening today, what is the best way we can help and keep the Salvation Army providing services in Ukraine? So, Tasha, there, there is a website that we have set up that people can can donate donate financially to, and it is Salvation. Actually, they can reach it through SalvationArmyUSA.org. Again, that's SalvationArmyUSA.org. Click on the donate button for for Ukraine, and that is a specific donation page for funds to go directly to our operations in in Ukraine to help uh, people who are affected by the military operations there. Uh, one thing I will, because uh, I get this question a lot, um, people ask, are, you know, can I donate food? Can I donate clothing? And and sadly, uh, that's not realistic because get the, the cost, the time, and the likelihood that it may never reach the intended uh, the intended group is is very very possible. So, uh, the, the absolute best way that people can support is go to this very specific website to help the the people of Ukraine and make a financial gift of any kind. I think sometimes there is a fear that our donations might not make it to a war zone. You know, it will. And and I, I can tell you a little bit about uh, the Army is, the Salvation Army, I should say, is structured in many ways as a military unit. So we do have, we do have uh, channels of, of uh, a supply chain, if you will. So uh, we now need people to step up, and it's going to increase in terms of, of the amount coming in. But as I say, the, the, the funds that are donated can actually be uh, transmitted easily, quickly. Uh, we can buy things on uh, in the area to get them into the areas they need to get into. Um, and, and we can specifically buy the things that are in the most demand. 
So it's hard for us to know what is really needed there, but the folks who are on the front line will, will be able to tell you this is what we need, this is what we need. And so there's a, a great deal of flexibility in in making a financial gift, and, and that allows for the absolute best outcome possible. Well, before we run out of time, I want to bring today's discussion closer to home. With rising gas prices and food costs soaring, I know there are Minnesotans out there struggling to make ends meet and perhaps living paycheck to paycheck. I am guessing this, too, has you folks serving more people here at home. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, Pandemic, Tasha, is a great example because the need uh, just skyrocketed. And, And a lot of people use that term. But for some of our locations, it's appropriate. Eight and tenfold increases in the demand for food. Um, and, and one of the things we learned in, in, the, in the first months of the pandemic, 40% of the folks who were coming to us for food assistance had never been to a food shelf. Uh, the kind of people who never expected to be in that situation um, uh, were coming to us because they needed uh, you know, their their source of income dried up when 750,000 Minnesotans were laid off or, or furloughed. Um, they, I, I hear reports that often 60 to 70 percent of households live paycheck to paycheck. So when that disappears, uh, you know, they're in a, a tough situation. So I, I always thought that was a telling statistic that 40 percent of the folks coming to the the um, the service centers for food assistance were were brand new, had never visited because it was that serious, and um, they they found that they needed the help. So you're absolutely right. We are here to help. That is that is one of the main reasons the Salvation Army exists is to serve those less fortunate, serve those in need. Thanks again to my guest, Dan Furry, with the Minnesota Salvation Army. For more information or to make a donation, head to SalvationArmyNorth.org. Again, that's SalvationArmyNorth.org. Back to you, JW. After a short break, Minnesota Matters continues next. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. With nearly a full year of programming under their belt, the DNR moving full speed ahead into a spring full of the Outdoor Skills Webinar Program. The DNR's Benji Cohen says they started the program because they were forced to go virtual with a talk on turkey in early 2020. We had a good reception of that. We did a deer clinic that fall and decided, you know, this is this is something we can do and still reach out to the public. Um, we're getting good feedback from the public, so we decided to start doing this on a weekly basis, or we can over the lunch hour where we just uh, hit hot topics that are coming up. So, you know, we just did one on March 2nd in sturgeon management and sturgeon fishing. That's starting to open up in the Rainy River area. So um, we're, we're hitting timely topics that kind of give people the opportunity to go, here's something I can listen to on Wednesday. I can get out hopefully this weekend with my kids or my family or myself and enjoy something. Maybe I've done it before, maybe I haven't. Cohen says there has been no true rhyme or reason to which topics have resonated more than others. You know, we've kind of been all over the board. And we always thought the hunting and fishing outdoor sports would be the highlight. And we've had a big interest in, like, foraging. Uh, the maple syruping one was was very uh, active. We did a winter camping one with one of the 
ELCs down out of, out of uh, Red Wing, you know, there's a wide range of of what people are looking for. And we do this once a week, so we're closing. And then the month here will be our 52nd uh, one-year anniversary of doing this. We, we want to keep on going because there's a lot of a lot of people that still want to know some of this information. Some of it is relevant for many years, and some of it, you know, we did one on. Uh, panfish regulation updates and that's something that can change from time to time so you can do those every year if you wanted to while the info on a given topic may be readily available cohen says their experts can bring the specific perspective needed in our neck of the woods we're kind of living in a virtual age and it's just gotten more and more prevalent the last couple of years and if you go online and just google i'm just looking at what we got coming up here, we got bees and pollinators coming up. If you just go Google that, you might get a a YouTube video from Texas. You might get something from some other state. Um, you know, we've done trapping, hunting topics, fishing topics, all that stuff coming from the DNR, the Minnesota DNR, is going to relate back to what's going on in Minnesota. So we're not going to have bees and pollinators and plantings from another state or a another growing area it's going to be relevant to where we're living and what's going on here in our state same with fishing and hunting regulations same with you know one of our topics coming up here on the 16th of march i believe is understanding rifle cartridges there's a difference in what we can use here in minnesota than what you're going to use um out west hunting elk so uh, it's very relevant coming from the minnesota dnr to what our situation is here in our state and those experts I mentioned, Cohen says there's no shortage for whatever they decide to highlight. Uh, we have experts in a variety of topics across the DNR. You know, if we're doing uh, rough fishing, you know, we have some people at the DNR that can do that. We also have a guy that runs roughfish.com, and he can come on and talk about it. He's got more experience with the fishing and um, recreating aspect of that than, say, some of the biologists do that are more on the the biology side and conservation side of it. So it's nice to get two points of view on a lot of that stuff. And you know, we have such a wealth of knowledge across the state, you know, from nonprofit organizations to people that are just out there recreating that know know a lot about a specific topic. So it's a great resource. That way it's, it's nice to tie some of the DNR stuff in. I know I did a trapping talk. That uh, was in December, I believe, but we had a, one of the um, research biologists from the DNR that talked about it. And then we had a young lady from the Northwest Metro that has been trapping since she was like five, six years old with her dad. So there's two great perspectives, both on the, the DNR side and then as a trapper being out there trapping and, and growing up doing that. So it's, it's nice to have both perspectives sometimes in these topics. Cohen says one of the great aspects of the program is that all the sessions are recorded and available on demand. But he says moving forward this spring, they hope to insert additional elements of engagement within the live versions of the webinar that make attendance a valuable experience. We got you know fishing seasons coming up, so we're doing a great talk on uh, steelhead fishing with one of the Minnesota steelheader members. You know, at the end of the month here, and I mentioned the rough fishing fishing one. That's always a, a fun springtime activity to get out. We got a 4-H shooting sport, so it's kind of the first time we're highlighting another entity that does a lot to get, especially youth involved in in wildlife and outdoor um, sports through biology, conservation, shooting sports, outdoor skills. So 
that's going to be really interesting in April to to uh, hear what the 4-H program is doing across the state of Minnesota. So, uh, we also on May 11th we got you know right around the fishing opener. There we have DNR staff favorite fishing lures. So we got five guys lined up that are just going to get on and talk about their favorite species to fish and what they're using to catch them. So a lot of topics to get people outside, um, especially revolving around the fishing opener. So Full details on how to register for the free webinars and what upcoming topics include can be found on the DNR website with the keyword skills. More Minnesota Matters next. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Last month, the University of Minnesota Athletic Department celebrated Black History Month in a variety of ways, including the production of several vignettes and videos that were shared on social media channels and at sporting events on the video boards. Golden Gopher men's basketball team chose to wear warm-up shirts that said, Celebrate as One, before each game. Eminent Sports Director Mike Grimm spoke with Minnesota Senior Center Eric Curry of Memphis, Tennessee, about the meaning of wearing the shirts. Yeah, we came up with the idea of, of, of using the phrase and celebrated as one um, because we just really sat down and really thought about the, the history of, I mean, the month of February. Um, yes, it is Black History Month, but it, it's a, that month is just not only for African-Americans history. It's a part of everyone's history. So um, coaching us, we really just sat down and, and just talked about like, it's just not meant to be celebrated by one group of people in the United States. It's, it's part of everyone's history. And this team in general um, has a lot of people come from different cultures and different races. So uh, we just want to celebrate this month as a part of, I guess, American history. It's a part of American history. How were those conversations, as you guys discussed? Was was it, uh, uh, did that also uh, work as some meaningful uh, discussion as well? Uh, yeah. Um, he set us down before the, uh, when we came back from um, over break. Uh, we had a meeting about what we wanted to do. You know what we want to wear as a shirt, and uh, I, and I think we just we came down. We had a we had a couple other names, but I think that one really stuck out with us most uh, the most because it, it had so much meaning behind it. When we talk about you know Black History Month itself, obviously there are still um, a lot of issues at stake today in today's society in terms of race relations and all of that. Do you and your teammates talk about that much? I mean, do you have uh, discussions with each other about different things happening in society today? We don't really sit down and have really meetings about it. Um, we, we see it across the TV, uh, as course, as course, everyone does across the world. Uh, but we don't really sit down and just really chat about it as much. Um, but yes, we, we were very aware of what's going on, especially here in Minneapolis. 
and um, other things around the country. Yeah, with uh, with you know the go the uh, city, the Twin Cities were certainly the epicenter of, of some uh, you know some things that that raised awareness uh, both on a negative and then as a positive side. Do you recall back when when uh, let's talk about the George Floyd incident? Um, and I know there were uh, a lot of Gopher athletes who who used their voice there. What, what do you recall about that time? And and were you part of some of that as well? I think I, know, I remember some student athletes um, on campus came together. And um, right here in uh, Athlete Village, and did did something, just bring awareness around the situation, or not, and just I don't know, speak up about it. So yeah, and and as, as you guys, um, you know, obviously young African American uh, men in, in particular deal with different things than maybe most people do. Um, as you were growing up in the South as well, where there's other issues, uh, you know, to kind of take us through what 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 you know in terms of what what kind of things you have to be cognizant of as you're uh, you know out and about that maybe a lot of people never have even thought about. Uh, yeah, you just got to be more aware of of, of everything, of uh, just life and life in itself. Uh, I mean, you know, there are people out here in the world that that really don't see eye to eye with you, but uh, you try to make try to help them out and. To see that we are are, are equal, and um, down south, I guess that is just it's, it's still uh, just not just not getting to through to everyone. And um, I mean, you you aware of it? Uh, you just try to move as cautious as possible. Try to limit those situations and or whatnot. But um, just just keep teaching and try, trying to help. And I mean, most people are that way because they don't really know. Um, so so just being a, a good teacher and and helping them understand that we are the same is just. It's a big thing in the world right now. Yeah, how, how sometimes is it as simple as maybe just engaging with somebody, and then sometimes maybe that doesn't work either. You're just dealing with someone who doesn't want to learn. Yeah, um, like I said, some people just don't understand, and, and those interactions that, that they sit down and talk to you, uh, it can really change and flip their mindset in total. So uh, just trying to get it, just trying to, I don't know, help those people out. You know, people who want to be helped uh, is definitely been a big thing right now in the world. And then as, as we think about Black History Month, which was celebrated last month, um, you know, that's one month out of the year. But this is a, obviously a 12 month a year, um, a, you know, situation that the awareness has to continue to be raised. So, um, w- OK, so all of a sudden now the T-shirts maybe aren't on, but that doesn't mean the work is done, right? Yeah, the work is definitely not done. Uh, like, I, like I always preach before um, about Black History Month. Yes, it is history, but it is still a, a current thing that's going on in the, in the world today. So we all are still learning and uh, we're part of history in itself. So um, I would just say it's not just a month thing. And uh, we definitely continue to we got to continue to bring more awareness about the situ- situation that's going on in the world. And yep everyone out because we are equal and we should be treated that way the big 10 started in a quality coalition i know uh, one of your counterparts on the women's team gadiva hubbard actually serves on that committee and uh one of your friends former gopher football player seth green was on that committee for uh, or on that um uh, on that coalition for the time he was at minnesota um how important is that for the conference to to also step up and 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 have an across the board discussion and and hopefully improve things Definitely huge. Just because, like I said, uh, bringing awareness to all these situations and, and these things that's happening in the United States and uh, all over the world um, is definitely a big thing. And just for the Congress to set apart a, a group and, and let us have a voice in this situation and this time and day um, is definitely a big piece. And uh, and having those, like you said, Seth Green and, and Diva on, those, on that staff speaking for the student athletes here at the University of Minnesota is definitely big. Well, very good, Eric. We appreciate it. And as you mentioned, there's work still to be done. And let's uh, keep uh, doing the, the good fight here as we continue throughout the days and months and probably years ahead. Yes.
Thank you for having me. That's go for senior basketball player Eric Curry with Eminent Sports Director Mike Grimm. For more information on last month's celebration of Black History Month within Gopher Athletics, including an archive of the vignettes and articles, go to gophersports.com. And that'll do it for another edition of Minnesota Matters. I'm J.W. Cox. I'm Scott Peterson. On behalf of all of us here at MNN, thanks for joining us and tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.